Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Tonight, we are pivoting a little bit. I, I, I mentioned this at the end of the last episode, that we finally have a basketball schedule that is either complete or all but complete at this point. And so, makes it time to start thinking about basketball. To help me do that, I have returning to the podcast, my basketball co-host, Steve Fetch, the basketball editor over at Rock Chalk Talk. Fetch, how you doing tonight? We're back, baby. How's it going? Yeah, we're back. Uh, you know, I, I unfortunately made the mistake of in prepping for this episode tonight, I went and pulled up Ken Palm like I normally do and saw Kansas being the clear number one overall from last season because he hasn't updated anything to preseason stuff yet. So that was a little bit of a downer. But, you know, uh, taking a look at this season, like it's it's about time to talk about basketball again. I'm I'm excited about basketball. And honestly, with the way that this football team is going, like we we joke about it every year, but we really need something else in basketball to talk about. So we are going to go ahead and pivot over to the basketball schedule. The schedule is, is, a, is not officially 100% finalized. However, it seems like everything is in place for Kansas, except for the final details are being inked on a contract for a multi-team event to start out the season, November 25th against Gonzaga. Uh, and then November 27th against St. Joe's appears to be who Kansas' opponent would be in that second game there. So... Um, should be an interesting event for them to begin the season with. But Fetch, just looking at the schedule that we do have, because honestly, it looks like a doozy. We've got quite a bit on there. Um, you know, is there any anything particular about the schedule that jumps out to you, or are you just impressed that Bill Self has once again developed one of the toughest schedules in the nation? Yeah, I mean, well, obviously that that first one against Gonzaga is the one that stands out. I mean, Gonzaga is probably going to be one of the best, oh, I don't know, four or five teams or so in the in the preseason poll. I think Kansas uh, probably will be, you know, if you look at Torvik anyway, they're more towards the, the back half of the top 10 range. Um, and Kansas probably has a lot more question marks than Gonzaga right now. So that's certainly going to be an interesting one. Um, from From a more, I guess, personal point of view, that probably only really applies to me, um, I'm obviously uh, pretty interested in the North Dakota State matchup. Uh, my my other 
degree is from the University of North Dakota. So uh, North Dakota State is obviously our, our big rival, and, and that's going to be um, a pretty good one for me because I assume Kansas is going to win that one by, right. by quite you're, a few, even though North. You're going to thoroughly enjoy seeing them get crushed, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, NDSU they did um, they did win the Summit League tournament last year, and, and I think they were the uh, two seed uh, in the regular season of the Summit League. So they're they're not a slouch by any means. But yeah, I mean, Kansas is probably going to win that game by 20 plus points. Um, and then the other one that you will have more uh, interest in terms of people in the region in general is that Creighton game um, at home. I believe Mitch Ballack, who's from Kansas, and and I think Kansas. Um, somewhat recruited um, is going to be still on that team. He's obviously one of the best shooters in the country, someone who I think uh, last year anyway, although Kansas didn't really need a ton of help, one area where they did need help was from beyond the arc, which is good. And then also uh, pro- probably my uh, my best friend at work is a, a Creighton alum, so uh, we've already got a little bit of a, uh, a bet going on in that one. So that's another one that has a, a personal touch for me, but also I think you know, just in terms of the quality of play, that one's a, one that's going to be circled as well. Because Creighton's probably going to be another, you know, top 10-ish team as well. Yeah, so, I mean, looking at Torvik and kind of just talking about the consensus, you know, like Gary Parrish over at CBS does um, his top 25-1, and one, and Creighton's up there. I believe he's their number 10. I might be wrong on the exact location. But, you know, Gonzaga, Creighton, Kentucky, like those are all on the schedule for, for Kansas now early in the season. Um, and they are all expected to be top 15 at the worst teams. And then, of course, you add in Tennessee, you know, in the SEC Big, Big 12 Challenge. Like, there is, there is a lot of top-heavy talent in this. You know, they only get – they only have, I believe, it's seven non-conference games this year. Um, and the fact that Kansas is playing so many of – you know, four of them are going to be against ranked teams probably. Um, and so it's, it's kind of ridiculous just how difficult this, this schedule is going to be for them. Um, but, you know – they they normally do this kind of stuff in non-COVID times. I, you know, I'm not really expecting, even though this is probably going to be a down year comparatively for Kansas, uh, just in terms of the level of talent they have and everything, and, you know, trying to mesh everybody together. Like, it's interesting to see that they are doing so many of these high-level matchups so early in the season um, and really kind of not wasting the opportunity to get them. Like, Kansas do- doesn't go on the road at all. Um except for, I believe, yeah, they actually go to, to Knoxville, Tennessee. So that is their only non-conference road game in the entire year um, at this point because the game against Kentucky is going to be neutral. The games against, you know, Gonzaga and St. Joseph's are going to be at a neutral site. Uh, last I heard, it's going to be down in Florida as well. So it'll be interesting to see how those games go. But, you know, I, I guess I, I, I kind of want your thoughts because, you know, there's been a lot of stuff bandied about, especially when ESPN – decided to essentially pull out of all the multi-team events that they set up or they were going to adopt essentially for this year down in Florida. Um, like it, it, there's been a lot of talk that that basketball should just go to conference only to make sure that they get all that in. Are, are you kind of leaning that direction or, or do you think that having these types of non-conference games is still going to be important for this college basketball season? Well, you know, it's, it's obvious that they're doing it for, you know, TV money and, and stuff like that. I mean, that's, you know, pretty clear. Um, as far as whether it should happen, I personally, you know, let's be honest, we, we don't exactly have the uh, pandemic under control in America. Um, right. So I, I don't know that we can really be having uh, widespread sports. And especially, you know, it's one thing to have 
uh, you know, NBA players cooped up in a bubble or, or NHL players cooped up in a bubble or whatever. And, and I say cooped up, obviously their accommodations were, were fine, but you know, you have to stay there 24 seven. And that's obviously uh, probably takes quite the toll on your mental health, but they're getting compensated for it. And, and in most cases pretty darn well, um, these kids obviously are not. And, you know, so it's just kind of, what do you do? Do you, do you put them in a bubble? That's obviously going to keep them safer. Uh, but they're not getting paid. Uh, there's also the argument that if, if you're just not playing games at all, you know, people are going to be at home and, and around people who, you know, aren't social distancing and stuff. And, and this way they at least are social distancing and, and are, you know, being tested more often than they would be and, and theoretically maybe being kept safer. But it's just kind of you have to kind of find that um, that midpoint. And I guess for me that midpoint is probably – uh, having conference games only and, and having them be, you know, preferably in some sort of a, a bubble scenario. But then obviously, you know, the NCAA doesn't want to do this, which we talked about last year, because that kind of seemingly concedes the argument that kids aren't just, you know, normal student athletes. So they're kind of in between a rock and a hard place and another hard place. Um, I think probably the bubble is the best place to, to be and, and probably the best strategy, you know, do a conference only type deal. But, uh, they're obviously not going to do that. And I think we just have to hope that they stay safe at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that like major league baseball has kind of given somewhat of a blueprint. Obviously they had some, some hiccups at the beginning, but like they've, they've shown that it's at least possible to have a mostly normal season, um, you know, in terms of COVID normal uh, without gigantic outbreaks all the time throughout the entire season. So it at least gives some hope that, as they continue to do this, they can kind of get it figured out. It's also, you know, kind of one of those things like, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I, I do agree the fact that a lot of these students are probably going to be more cautious um, and have a better opportunity to do the social distancing and stuff like that if they're on campus and involved in athletics and like doing all of this stuff. And so like ultimately the reason that they end up being safer maybe isn't the best because, you know, they're being essentially treated like employees without getting paid for it. Um, but the outcome, you know, it's, it's one of those, I always, I always hate arguments that say, well, you know, the ends that we get to justify the way that you're doing it, because I don't think that's always the case, but, but ultimately it may end up being a better thing in general to try to be as normal as possible in this season. Um, obviously taking whatever precautions you can to, you know, avoid spreading the virus, but you know, it's also, it's, it's also, I think, kind of one of those things where, especially for teams that are, you know, expecting to make it to the NCAA tournament and are expecting to be competitive in their conferences, like looking for non-conference games to tune up and to really kind of figure out what your lineups are going to be, especially for a team like KU, who is trying to figure out what everyone's role is going to be. And while they have ideas, you know, they don't have any on-court time for people to step into new roles to really solidify that, that chemistry and so these are going to be important non-conference matches for them I don't think that the the marquee games are going to be quite as important for Kansas to build a big resume one because I think they're going to have plenty of extremely challenging matchups in the Big 12 and if they win the Big 12 there's a good chance they're going to be a number one seed overall anyway or, or a number one seed at least and two because like this is such a weird year I think they're going to kind of defer more towards names and teams that they think are good as opposed to teams that you know, are able to have huge non-conference because the opportunities for non-conference battles are going to be very, very different depending on, you know, universities' tolerance for, for COVID protocols and, you know, what events they're able to get into and things like that. And honestly, I think the TV 
stations are going to be going towards the marquee matchups as much as possible. So, you know, Kansas has a better opportunity being one of the Blue Bloods that they can get a lot of these games and kind of dictate what it is they want out of a non-conference schedule. And so we, we've, we've actually seen that. Like, Bill Self puts a schedule together that he wants and usually is very successful at it because a lot of people are more willing to work with him, you know, on, on his terms than a lot of these other schools would necessarily be able to get. The one thing I do find interesting about this schedule, the final non-conference game before conference play starts is against Tarleton State. And I actually had to look them up because I had absolutely no idea who they were. Um, it's not a game that you typically would see on the schedule. They are a, they are a public university in Stephenville, Texas, that is transitioning to Division I this year. Uh, their head coach, from what I understand, is Billy Gillespie, um, which should be an interesting, an interesting matchup. I'm wondering if that had anything to do with getting them on the schedule, because I don't believe they were on there until just recently. I believe the date that they're in now was the date of the Colorado game previously. Um, and so, you know, if you're going to if you're going to grab some random opponent, like it's not a bad idea to grab one that has a coach who's you know trying to to rehab an image and trying to kind of make a step up doing a solid for from what I understand, you know, they have a very cordial relationship. Um and so, but it, it, it definitely was not a, a team that I was expecting. And I kind of did a double take when I saw it, but overall, like, I think, I think this non-conference slate is extremely interesting. It's got a little bit of everything. Um, you know, the only thing it doesn't have is, a, is an, is an away game, which will end up happening for them in, in the big 12 SEC challenge. So any other thoughts about this non-conference schedule though? Yeah. So, so Gillespie actually was an assistant uh, for Bill Self uh, at Illinois. I don't remember how long or oh, that. what years, but I know, I know he briefly was for a little bit. So I'm sure that that's uh, part of the, part of the deal there. Um, definitely. Yeah. has to uh, rehab his image a little bit. I'm sure Bill Self, you know, helping him out. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I, I thought that was uh, very interesting when I saw that he was the head coach there. So, um, it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do. Obviously, you know, we're all expecting that game to be a complete blowout, but um, you know, that's also going to be kind of the final tune up for Kansas before, you know, they travel to Lubbock to take on Texas tech in the big 12 opener. Um, it is a little weird. And actually that was kind of where I was transitioned for my next question for you was, you know, how weird is it? The fact that we are opening conference play with two games in the end of December when normally we'd be doing like, you know, traveling over to the PAC 12 right before Christmas or something like that. Yeah, well, I think you know from a from a purely basketball perspective, um, it, it's helpful that they're going to have that kind of tough conference or uh, excuse me non-conference schedule. You know, getting to play Kentucky, Gonzaga, Creighton, uh, and then you know they're jumping right into Texas Tech, West Virginia, and Texas, who I think are probably you know in terms of the contenders for the Big Twelve this year. I mean, I think you know those three and then Baylor um, are probably the four big ones, uh, other than Kansas, in terms of contending for. Big 12 championship. So you have to figure they're going to have a little bit of a leg up on those three teams. I mean, obviously I don't, I don't know, to be honest with you. And obviously the schedules changed so much uh, what their pre or uh, non-conference schedules are uh, compared to KU's, but can't imagine it's, it's as difficult. And obviously, you know, Baylor and, and uh, Texas tech in particular have had some struggles playing good con- uh, non-conference schedules lately. I mean, I know Texas tech, even, the year um, they went to the national championship game, I think they had one of the worst non-conference schedules in the country. So, you know, Kansas theoretically should have a little bit of a leg up on them being more used to um, high, uh, high quality basketball compared to uh, what the other teams have. So uh, probably good. I think probably also good to 
um, even though they do have a little bit of a young team. Get things started out with, you know, some tougher teams and then can maybe, um, you know, bring the pack back to them, so to speak, when they're trying to, to chase another Big 12 title. Yeah, definitely. I, I know that Baylor plays Gonzaga as well this year in the non-conference, but um, I'm not sure what Texas Tech has. It does seem like Baylor, you know, with how good of a team they're expected to be, they are actively seeking out quality non-conference opponents with an eye of if they can, you know, if they can actually put a good run together in the Big 12, they want to position themselves for a potential number one seed. So, um, you know, it'd be a, a big thing for them to build off of last year. It'll be interesting to see what they're able to do, but you know, I think there's going to be a hell of a Big 12 conference this year. It's going to be real interesting. I do want to get into that. But before we do that, I am going to go ahead and throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. And we're back. All right. So we've talked a little bit about the non-conference, um, kind of transitioning into the Big 12 conference slate itself. And, um, you know, I, I think we, we, will, we are going to do our normal Big 12 preview, kind of looking at and I think ranking the individual uh, players on the roster, but we normally do that with Jesse Newell. I know he is tied up quite a bit with election coverage right now. He jumped over at the Kansas City Star to help with that. So I've been, I've been, uh, I, I've reached out to him to try to go ahead and get something scheduled um, so that we can do our normal, you know, preseason extravaganza with him. Enjoy doing that every single year. Um, so we will hold off on actually going through the KU roster, I think, too much, except for where it makes sense to talk about these particular teams. But all right. So the Big 12, looking at, you know, Bart Torvik here, uh, is extremely top-heavy. I mean, you got Texas at number one overall, West Virginia at number two, Baylor at five, Texas Tech at 10, and then Kansas at 11. You know, and then not too far behind that, you've got Kansas State at, at 36, Oklahoma at 38, and Oklahoma State at 49. So, you know, you have eight of the 10 teams in the Big 12, all within the top 50 of Bart Torvik. Um, like, it seems like... It's extremely top-heavy. It's going to be a very difficult conference this year. My question for you, Fetch, is that do you do you think that the Big 12 is going to be as muddled up top as it would appear based off of Bart Torvik, or do you have a clear sense of who you think is actually going to come out on top in the conference this year? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting, right, because you've, got, you've definitely got question marks with all these teams. I mean, Texas uh, definitely have some talent. Um, I, I kind of was on them when the season ended last year as a, a team to watch this year, but um, they're also – coached by Shaka Smart. So that's kind of their big question mark. Um, West Virginia, you know, I mean, their their backcourt last year was not very good. Um, so unless they got some new guards and, and it looks like, you know, taking a look at their uh, Torvik page, they do have a, a couple of new guards, but I don't, you know, obviously I don't know the first thing about them. Um, got a couple of transfers, it looks like. Um, so who knows? Obviously they got those two big men, uh, Derek Culver and Oscar Sheeway, who are both great, but you know, can you play them both at the same time? Maybe, maybe not. Um, what happens if just one of them's playing, then you've got an extra perimeter guy who probably isn't as good in there. Who knows? Um, you know, Texas Tech uh, losing Moretti off last year's team, uh, who was a really good player for them. Um, also losing Jameis Ramsey, although I would kind of argue that losing Jameis Ramsey is more of a uh, addition by subtraction uh, type thing. But, you know, who who knows? Um you know, Texas Tech, I think they've, they've got some talent. Tyler Edwards is a nice player. Terrence Shannon is a nice player. Um, Namari Burnett is supposed to be a really good freshman, but, you know, the thing with freshmen is you never know what you're going to get out of them. Some, you know, some top-ranked guys come in and, and you know, play like a like a Quentin Grimes or, or even like a Jameis Ramsey where, you know, they try to be the man and, and maybe aren't quite good enough to be 
the man and then kind of have to be like a secondary player and don't want to, and that can kind of throw off a lot of things, which I think is part of what happened to, to Texas Tech last year. You know, they, I think, um, have shown that they can win with, you know, these transfers that they bring in and, and guys who know their roles and know how to play and, and stuff like that, but they haven't really shown that they can do it with, you know, maybe guys who are more talented but don't really know their role and don't really know how to fit into a team. So I think that's kind of the the next step for them that remains to be seen. Uh, Baylor, obviously, you know, having Jared Butler back, you know, he was uh, one of the best players in the league last year. He's great. Davian Mitchell, also great. You know, Masio Teague, also great. Um, I really like this Matthew Mayer kid uh, more as a, a role player, kind of a, a heat check guy off the bench type guy. Um, you know, the big question for me, uh, can Tristan Clark kind of get back to where he was as a sophomore when he was really, really good uh, versus where he was last year as a junior when he was not so good and maybe he was still struggling with injuries and stuff like that. But he certainly was not good last year, and I think he kind of needs to be otherwise Baylor really, you know, kind of like Kansas, honestly, has a bunch of, you know, guards and perimeter guys uh, and certainly guys who are more uh, proven than KU's, but they don't really have anything down low if Tristan Clark isn't isn't good and isn't healthy. So that's kind of my big question mark for them. Uh, and then, yeah, Kansas, I mean, <laughs> we obviously had the, the big argument um, last year and, and into the summer as far as is Kansas going to be uh, even a contender for the Big 12 title. Um, eventually I think they, they probably will be, but they've got a lot of unproven pieces and, and just kind of on pure talent, they're probably, you know, third or even fourth best in the big 12. So, um, it's going to be, uh, it's definitely not going to be like it was last year when they, you know, you could count on them to win every game basically by, by double digits, or at least, you know, have it be uh, relatively simple. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case next year. Uh, plenty of question marks, but also plenty of things to be excited about, and we can probably get into that more when we do the uh, the ranking, the rotation type thing, but um, I think this is going to be defensively not as good of a team uh, as they were last year, obviously, because they're losing a really good perimeter defender in Devon Dawson, and then um, probably with uh, apologies to Marcus Garrett, the best defensive player in the in, in the entire country, uh, regardless of position in Udoka as a bookie, um, but they're going to be a, a different defensive team. You know, they're not going to give up a ton of three-point attempts. Um, they got a lot of guys who can switch and, and play a lot of different positions and stuff. So Bill Self's going to have a lot more, um, a lot more opportunities to do some different things, both on offense and defense. And um, if they can figure it out and, and kind of find a, a method that works, I definitely think they can be in the hunt for the Big 12 title and then, you know, in the hunt for, for going deep into whatever an NCAA tournament looks like next spring. Yeah, it's, it's going to be weird. I mean, just looking at the top five teams in the Big 12, like all of them, have the potential because they have one, you know, area that they seem to be excelling at really good, you know, really, really well that they could, you know, like if that's what ends up carrying their season, they could end up bullying their way to a big 12 title, but all of them also have a very big question mark. Um, you know, Kansas and Baylor seem to be down low West Virginia, you know, you got to wonder how good like the, the point guard play is going to be like, you've got a lot of questions for a lot of those top five teams, but they all have a bunch of pieces that under the right circumstances could push them to a Big 12 title. But I also think that all of these teams are just so good that we could see a Big 12 champion, I'm sorry, Big 12 co-champions that have four or five losses because of just how you know much they're all going to beat each other up. And it's not like the rest of the conference is just going to be a pushover. I mean, Oklahoma State you know, is being projected as the eighth best team in the conference. And you know, they've, got, they've got a star player coming in. They've got like, They've got 
pieces all over the place and are looking to be a really good team this year. And so like, it's going to be interesting to see how this weighs out, you know, from week to week, but I would not be surprised if the top five teams in the conference are all within a game or two of each other in the final standings. And we have like a three-way tie for the, for the conference lead at the end of the year. So it's going to be extremely interesting. I'm very, very happy too, that they built in that extra week at the back end of the big 12 schedule so that if they have to redo or if they have to reschedule games, they actually have some leeway to go ahead and do it. Um, I also believe that that's also meant to try to do some sort of quarantining prior to the big 12 championship, because of course, nobody really wants to get into a situation where, you know, they get their entire conference uh, with COVID and then they can't go to the NCAA tournament. That would be absolutely horrible. So like, I think the part of that's built in, but they can also kind of work things around to make sure that if they do have a COVID, you know, game or a game that gets uh, postponed because of COVID, they have some leeway built into the schedule to be able to get that redone and get all the seating that they need to, uh, to get the Big 12 championship set up correctly. So it'll be very interesting. I think it's going to be a hell of a year. It's going to be extremely tight race all year long. Um, but, you know, I think we're also at a point now that I'm not really sure we can say too much more about the actual conference this season. So uh, rather than getting any kind of predictions for how the conference season ends out, because I'm sure that we'll do that here in the next few weeks. Um, the only other piece of news that I want to talk about is, you know, uh, obviously it came across that Sogo DeSouza was opting out of the season um, a couple weeks ago. I think it was a couple weeks ago, but the actual reasoning for why he opted out came through via the Kansas City Star today, uh, the day that we're recording. Um, you know, apparently he was involved in some sort of altercation on New Year's Eve. Um, there are now criminal charges pending, apparently. And both him and Bill Self decided it was in everybody's best interest for him to focus on that at this point. I don't, I don't know that I really have too much thoughts on it other than, you know, given the fact that it caught everybody by surprise. Like, I'm not sure it's a case where he obviously did something wrong and he's gone from the program forever. I think everybody just kind of realized with how weird the season already is, they didn't need to add you know, a player dealing with criminal, with potential criminal proceedings, like, uh, you know, with the team at that point. So he needs to go and focus and get that right. It also, I think, reopens the door for him to potentially rejoin the team next year, because this isn't going to affect his eligibility at all, because everybody gets a free year of eligibility this year anyway, according to the the NCAA. Um, So he can go ahead and focus on that and then decide after all the fallout from that, like, and how all that happens, what his next step is, whether that's coming back to Kansas or finding another place to play or, you know, dealing with the implications of what happens there. So did, did you have any other thoughts about the Soza? I realized I kind of ate up all of the, or most of the potential talking points, but I, I want to make sure I'm not off base on anything or that you don't think is some other, you know, way that this would either affect the team or maybe he should have done something else. Well, you know, I, I guess I haven't seen, and I think they probably haven't released like exactly what happened. So there's obviously you know, when you get charges like that, there's a, a pretty wide, you know, chasm, uh, assuming Kansas law is the same as North Dakota law anyway, there's a pretty wide chasm between stuff that he could have actually done ranging from, you know, stuff that you would expect, uh, you know, college kids who have maybe had a few too many on New Year's Eve versus, uh, you know, actual, you know, bad people doing bad things. So uh, knowing what I know about Sylvia, I'm sure it's more the former than the latter. Um, yeah, so, but yeah, so as for... As, real quick, the 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 article from the Kansas city star actually kind of talks about the only details that they have is that the, the other person involved is a 30 year old or roughly a 30 year old person that some of the witnesses involved are, you know, an ER doc from Lawrence, it sounds like an ER or some sort of hospital staff in 
Shawnee Mission, I believe it was, and then there's like an eye surgeon involved. So it sounds like it's probably something a little bit more serious than just, you know, he punched a guy accidentally when something got out of hand, but without any kind of details and the fact that he was completely shocked by it and Bill Self was, you know, completely shocked by it coming through and they just found out about it apparently a couple weeks ago. So it's not like, um, you know, it's, it's not like this was some huge, you know, bar fight that a whole bunch of people kind of covered up so that he wouldn't be tied back to it. It sounds like something happened and without more details, obviously we can't speculate on whether he's going to face legal consequences or something. Really it's more just, yeah, there's a bunch of possibilities of what it could be, but it sounds like it's probably something that's going to take a little bit more time to clear up, which kind of explains to me why he decided that it was in his best interest and the best interest of the program to not have that kind of hanging over the program's head at this point while he's trying to, you know, go through that entire process. Right. Yeah. So I guess, I guess I'll say, and I, I don't have any reason to believe this other than just kind of the way his career has gone, but I would probably be surprised if he ever plays for, for KU again, but you know, we'll always have the 2018 big 12 tournament and then NCAA tournament run where he played a, a pretty pivotal role first in that big 12 tournament without you, uh, you don't and then uh, had some really nice minutes in that uh, 2008 elite eight win over Duke. But uh, yeah, I'm just finishing up my, my top 30 ranking, obviously for the best seasons uh, under big self uh, under bill self. Um, I'll just say Sylvia Sosa will not be making, you know, the, the updated version when I do this in another 20 years or so. So uh, kind of a, you know, just except kind of a disappointing a appearance. In What's that? Right. Except for maybe it's a cameo appearance in someone else's story, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, just, just kind of a, you know, kind of a, a disappointing career, I guess you'd have to say, um, all around for Silvio. Some of it, you know, probably not his fault, and, and some of it probably is. Um, you know, when he when he came, obviously he enrolled a semester early, and I think probably, you know, wasn't ready and was just kind of forced into it by the fact that Kansas did not have a lot of big men help and, and just kind of needed to do what they could. Um, I think that probably set him back behind the eight ball. He's obviously got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of, you know, physical ability. He just kind of just kind of seemed to think the game a, a step or two too slow to be really good as a, a major college basketball player. So uh, that's too bad. But I think you, you got to give him uh, some credit for, you know, the fight last year when he, you know, I, I think it kind of brought the team together a little bit. I mean, they just reeled yeah. off win after win after win and, and looked really dominant after that. And um, I can't remember who it was now, but someone tweeted me that, you know, basically that Kansas has lost their last game uh, after he did that just because, you know, it would bring the locker room together and, and he was right. So um, you got to give him some credit for that. And, and then for the, for the 2018 big 12 tournament, but uh, those are really his, I would say, two highlights uh, in a KU uniform. Yeah, kind of to your point there about him being a step behind. Like, it seemed like in his first half season where he wasn't really thinking about it, he had a very clear, this is your role, just go out and play because we're not expecting a bunch, that he really excelled at that. But the more that he tried to think about how he fit into the team and tried to uh, think about the way the game was coming to him, he he struggled there. And I think part of it, obviously, was that you know, he had to deal with the extended time out of action. Um, but also, I think just with all the other things going on, like it was difficult for him to kind of wrap his head around. And and there's some guys that it just, unfortunately, the way that that works, it's not, you know, there there's a little bit more thinking a lot of times at basketball than a lot of us would really think there would be. Um, and so, you know, unfortunately, it just doesn't hit everybody the same way. So, all right, well, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. But before we go, since it's been so long, I wanted to give you an opportunity. Do you have a random sports minute for us tonight? Yeah, of course I do. Uh, of course. 
unlike uh, unlike America, you know, Europe has kind of uh, somewhat anyway gotten control of the pandemic, so they're kind of you know moving ahead full speed. Um, usually, this is the the cricket minutes, but I'm going to divert a little bit, and we'll go to the uh, the world of Formula One racing. Uh, last week they had the uh, the race in Portugal. I forget what they actually called it, the Portuguese Grand Prix or something like that. And uh, Lewis Hamilton, who drives for Mercedes, uh, who's from Great Britain, uh, won his 92nd career race, which uh, broke the uh, previous record of 91, held by Michael Schumacher, who used to race for uh, Ferrari and, and uh, Mercedes as well. And I can't remember who else he, he raced for, if anyone. I wasn't a, a huge Formula One guy back in the day, but... Uh, anyway, you know, yeah, 92 uh, career wins, which is just an insane amount, um, especially considering, you know, it's, it's not like NASCAR where all the cars are the same and stuff like that. All the, all the cars are different, and, and uh, um, you know, the, the Mercedes car is, is the best car by, I mean, just a humongous long shot, so he definitely gets some boost there, but, um, you know, he beats his teammate who's driving the same car as him by, uh, a bunch every race and stuff like that. So um, he obviously has a ton of talent and uh, definitely deserves to be mentioned uh, among the best drivers of all time and, and has the most wins of all time. So it's it's pretty rare we get to do a, a, a random sportsman that actually means something, but I think this is probably one of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely interesting. I, I, I have to admit, I don't pay as much attention to Formula One as I do. I, honestly, I don't pay attention to too much of the racing. I used to be pay attention to NASCAR a while back, but I actually used to live in St. Petersburg, Florida, and that is where, you know, they actually have a, I don't know if it's actually a Formula One race officially, but it's the same, you know, the same cars that they use for that, um, the, the Grand Prix sure. down there. So it was it was definitely interesting while I was down there, and I paid a little bit more attention to it when, you know, they would take over for four days and, like, close all of downtown, and I had to deal with all the hassle of, you know, bus routes going different directions and all that stuff, but it was definitely an interesting race. I went to one of them and it was, it was definitely a different experience watching it live in person, as opposed to, you know, seeing it on the TV where you can actually follow all the action. Um, but you know, it's, it's definitely an interesting sport and I highly recommend, you know, there's so many other sports like you're talking about that, that are big over in Europe that aren't big here, that if you're really jonesing for sports content at this point, and while we've been overloaded with a bunch of it recently, um, now that we're kind of getting to the dead period of the calendar again, before basketball picks back up, you know, it's the perfect time to find something like Formula One racing uh, and really get into that and, and find yourself yeah, you, some, you know, new sports to follow. So, yeah, I'll just I'll just say briefly what actually got me into it was Netflix has like one of those you know behind the scenes type shows called uh, Drive to Survive, and uh, that's really interesting. Kind of takes you into um, just the personalities of the drivers and stuff, and kind of you know what each team is you know, going after, are you trying to win the whole thing? Or are you just trying to kind of be competitive in the middle, that sort of thing, um, which kind of really, you know, because if, if you're just watching the race to see who wins, I mean, you know, frankly, you're kind of going to kind of know who's winning most of them. Um, so having that extra stuff really helps. And then, you know, also the, I mean, the races are actually pretty short. I mean, I don't really know how long a, a NASCAR race is, but all the, all the Formula One races are done in under two hours. So, I mean, it's, it's not a, a ton of, time on your day and stuff to to watch so i think it's probably worth picking up as just even a you know passing interest yeah that that's crazy because the nascar race is usually three or four at least so um, okay all right okay. well that will do it for us tonight fetch thanks so much for joining me thank you guys so much for listening if you haven't already please do go out wherever you get your podcast it's apple podcast spotify stitcher any of the other million apps that are out there just search for rock chalk podcast and you can subscribe to us there so you can get every episode as soon as it comes out 
If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely great. If not, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring this podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter. Right now, the best way to do that is just me personally at andymitz12. Um, but also, now that we're over on Anchor, you can actually leave us a voicemail so that we can get your voice onto the podcast. We can react to your take or your question or whatever it is that you have. Um, just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and you can leave us a voicemail there, and we'll bring it right onto the show. So, uh, But that'll do us for tonight. Fetch, once again, thank you for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.